Sick Boy Wolfgang Productions presents The Offering with Jerry Horror. A deep dive into the history of film and its filmmakers. Mostly horror, always genre. You've seen these guys at all the horror shows and comic cons. Now you can get your very own inked up merch, the finest in embroidered horror and sci-fi themed merchandise. From Lost Boys to Street Trash, from Chopping Mall to Cobra Kai, Inked Up has the best in embroidered beanies, baseball caps, and patches. Now they've even got their own Jaws-inspired Amity Island board shorts. You gotta take a look, these things are cool. Visit their Etsy store at etsy.com slash shop slash inked up merch. Are you looking to get your own printed or embroidered merch? Inked Up has been in business for over 10 years. Whether you're looking for merch for your band or you need crew logo shirts and hats for your first film production, you need some sick looking perks for your Kickstarter project, Inked Up can accommodate your needs with their custom silkscreen printing and embroidery services. Visit inkedupmerch.com and tell them Jerry sent you. Welcome to The Offering with Jerry Hara, the show where we can have a quiet and frank discussion as adults about the things that matter to me, or at least that I think matter to me. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show wherever you get fine podcasts, and hey, stay up to date on future episodes. This week on The Offering, we're talking all about American original James Gunn. From Slither to Suicide Squad, learn all about this amazing and prolific director. gentlemen, welcome to The Offering. My name is Jerry Hara. I hope that I'm finding you well, dear listener. How you doing? How are things going with you? Have you been having a fun summer? Tell me all about it. I'm on social media, you know? I'm, I'm easy to get in contact with. You know, it's not fucking rocket science here, I'm just saying. I hope you're well. I, ho- I hope this episode finds you in a good place. Let's go back. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. Go back to 2016. Do you remember 2016? Where were you in 2016? Oh man, the world was definitely a much different place. Dear God, it's been five years. Five years. Well, I can tell you, in the summer of 2016, once that hot-ass Skrillex Rick Ross joint came out, oh man, I was excited. I was so excited, uh... I mean, we were all excited as a culture. We thought this would be the greatest comic book movie of all time. We were wrong. Very wrong. Suicide Squad. Well, no, no, I'm jumping ahead of myself. This was, uh, Suicide Squad was the 2016 American superhero film. It Really, it wasn't. It's a supervillain film. This movie had all the DNA of something that was going to be perfect. We have the aforementioned hot-ass soundtrack, which is a lost art. It's a lost art. You don't have many movies that have great soundtracks, but for all intents and purposes, the Suicide Squad soundtrack was a big deal. Uh, It really introduced the world to a whole bunch of new artists. But more importantly, we were excited to see this hot new ingenue, Margot Robbie, as Harlequin, 
And Harlequin had come from the Batman the Animated Series. This is very exciting. Um, it was the first on-screen Joker that we had had since Heath Ledger. And that was Jared Leto. Uh, this was a very different type of film. I enjoy Suicide Squad. I do. Um, I think the movie was pretty well re-edited and defanged um, by Warner Brothers. Notoriously, the film had been edited by the same company that did their trailer. So they took the movie away from David Ayer. Uh, they neutered it. It was supposed to be an R-rated movie. They made a PG-13 movie. They did the same thing with Justice League. And they're talking about doing the same thing with this new Batman movie. Warner Brothers, if you do not learn from your mistakes, you are doomed to continue making them. Do not take these movies away from the people who create them. On paper, Suicide Squad, hey, this is a dark and edgy film. Got Viola Davis. She's still on board. Uh, Jared Little Joker, which we'll probably never see again, which we did. Wait, we did. And then in the Justice League, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, we got to see him again. And I liked Leto. I think he didn't have much to work with here, and he really wasn't on screen that much. Margot Robbie was the breakout star. Um, everything with Killer Croc was largely just embarrassing, and we should never talk about it. Will Smith of uh, Bel Air was in this film. Uh, he was playing Deadshot, and um, he sucked, too. Uh, hmm, trying to see. Oh, that was the name of the song, Purple Lamborghini. Because let me tell you something. When I get a Lamborghini, it is going to be purple. That uh, We had the Ben Affleck Batman in this film. But I think, again, leading up to the film, it was so exciting. Because it was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, we're going to have something new. And it was basically being sold upon the premise like, okay, you've seen all the superhero pictures. Now it's all the supervillains, all the bad guys, all in one picture. And they're going to get together and they're going to suicide squat it up and it's going to be fantastic. And it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. I liked the movie. Um, I liked the art direction. I, I liked the way it was sold. But it ends up coming off very toothless because... You got David Ayer, the, the guy who he wrote Training Day. He made a lot of hard-edged, gangster-ass movies set in Los Angeles. And they kind of neutered his film, and it, it just came off like a, a floppy, limp biscuit. And it, it didn't work, you know. Not Fred Durst's limp biscuit. I'm talking about an actual penis that's floppy and flaccid. Because that's how you should start every episode. And there's, there's no crime... You know, we have to normalize uh, flaccid penises because a lot of times you expect it's, it's scary. You know what? It's scary when you see an erect penis. You're like, oh, my God, it's angry. You know, it might spit at me. Who knows what it's going to do? But if you see an old floppy ding dong, it's, you know, it's kind of like an elephant. You know, it's flopping in the wind. Not that uh, scary. Right. Didn't think I would open up with this shit. Right. Oof, Jesus, this is a brutal opening. I can collectively hear all the people just hitting <laughs> hitting stop out in podcast land. But I I trust in you. I think I think more of you than that. I think you can handle some dirty dick jokes. And who said they're dirty? Maybe they're clean. Who knows? I don't know. Today on the uh, episode, 
we're going to be talking all about James Gunn. He's somebody who has been uh, under scrutiny in the last five years. He's dealt with a lot of bullshit. But I think it's time that we salute him. And I have a lot of reasons why. We're going to talk all about it. Uh, I still think he's one of the most exciting writers, directors that's working. Um, his contributions to everything as far as pop culture in the last decade are, are nothing short of incredible. And uh, his birthday is on August 5th this year, which culminates with August 4th, the release date of his forthcoming film, The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with the 2016 film called Suicide Squad. Don't get it twisted. This is an R-rated film, and uh, it's going to be a lot different. And as of the, this recording, we are hearing fantastic things. Not that I would know, because Warner Brothers doesn't fucking call me. Warner Brothers, where's my free tickets? Where's my screening? Piece of crap. All right, on with the episode. Francis Gunn Jr. was born August 5th, 1966. Some would say he's an American film director, actor, producer, screenwriter, and former musician. Bet you didn't know that. He began his career as a screenwriter in the mid-1990s, and then began working as a director with the horror comedy Slither, and eventually moving into the superhero genre with Guardians of the Galaxy. He's done a lot of interesting things, that James Gunn. Um, his actual name, and I find this just, I don't know why I'm very, I'm very fascinated by this. Um, he was born uh, to Leota and James F. Gunn. His father was an attorney. And they were born, he was raised in St. Louis and Manchester, Missouri. He was born of five siblings, a lot, a lot of people. Um, his father was Irish. His mother was Jewish. Uh, the actual Irish surname of the family was McGilgun, and it means sons to the servants of the God and the dead. I don't know what your name is, but Jesus Christ, my name is not that cool. Okay, it doesn't have any kind of cool surname uh, meaning. Uh, James Gunn grew up just like me. He was a monster kid. He was obsessed with all the George Romero films, you know, all the zombie pictures that he did, he obsessed with Friday the 13th. He grew up loving genre films. And uh, just as the description says, mostly horror, but always genre. That's right. We love genre pictures here. I love a good high concept movie. You know, I, I like my intimate portraits of life where it's like, oh, it's the story of a guy who is an elevator operator and he's trying to save money to save his daughter because she needs a kidney or something. But personally, if you tell me it's about an elevator operator that takes people into outer space, now I'm listening. I like a good high-concept film. I'm sorry. It's just the way that I was raised. If you're a product of the 80s, you love high-concept pictures, you know? I mean, Ghostbusters is about busting ghosts, but really... It's the portrait and snapshot of a bunch of young men trying to start a business. That's really what that movie is all about. It's about the, the pitfalls of starting a business in the United States and then busting ghosts because, you know, that's really what it is. 
Uh, he ends up doing a lot of theater as a kid. Starts to really get into it. And uh, much like many of us, uh, he starts making movies in his backyard. You know, little 8mm movies, VHS movies, monster movies. And I think that's what brings a lot of us uh, to the dance. Um, he ends up going to St. Louis University which I thought was very interesting. Um, he went for two years. He was in the undergraduate program, decided he would shift over to film because he, he realized he's like, this is what I do. This is what I love. And he was pretty screwed up at the time, as he self-admitted. And he basically had to leave because he was partying too much. You know, he was, he was hanging out late. Um, Basically, uh, he was in two different musical bands, and he was the lead vocalist uh, in a band called The Icons, which was in 1989. And they released an album. They released two albums. Mom, We Like It Here on Earth um, in 1994. And uh, The Icons disbanded in the mid-90s. But Gunn has continued to work with music and comp composing songs for uh, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, and Movie 43. And the less said about Movie 43, the better. Because it's uh, not exactly a high point of anyone's career. I can't believe how many stars were attached to that picture. And it was just absolute crap. Um, it's not good. I went back, I tried watching it. It's just not a very good film. But Gunn persisted. Uh, even though he pretty much dropped out of school... It's got nothing going for him. Ends up working with the old folks in Troma. And if you don't know about Troma, you need to stop this podcast and look up Troma Entertainment. All the fantastic contributions to cinema that they've made. This is 1995. Kind of says to himself, hey, this is, this is where I need to be. These are the kind of people that I want to work with. And I'm going to be able to grow as an artist and... The way things work at Troma is uh, Lloyd Kaufman always gave young talent as much opportunity as they were willing to take. And what that means is that if you're willing to put in the hours and bust your ass, he'll give you the ball. You can run with it. Do whatever you want as long as you're working and trying your best. And uh, I think that's something we could all uh, learn from. He was writing uh, this had been in development because Lloyd gets these ideas in his head. So one of the ideas was Tromeo and Juliet. And it was probably one of these deals where Lloyd had the title and he's like, oh, I love this title. And it ended up just becoming a movie. So he starts working on the script with Lloyd Kaufman. And uh, slowly but surely, they develop a relationship. And he realizes that James Gunn is actually now a pretty good writer. You finished yet? No, not quite. Oh, you're getting it. Dildo, bird brain, bugger me, bitty. Bozo, fruitcake, motherfucking sissy. Wanker, yellow belly, hoe, daddy, weenie. Penis, troll, chucklehead, meanie. Fruit, galoot, faint, hermaphrodite. <laughs> but what I think fits you most is bitch. <laughs> Isn't about to be my... Fucking get him! You just wanted to track down Tromeo, okay? Hey. Like if we knew, we'd tell you anyway, huh? If I had to guess, it wouldn't be so tough. I'd say he was in your cousin's mind. So 
he basically learns how to write, how to produce films, scout locations, direct actors, distribute, and create his own poster art. All in all, and I mean, anybody who can tell you this who's worked on film, the way you learn is by doing. And I think that by being given as much responsibility as he was given at Troma, he really started to hone his craft and figure out, uh, A, how to execute this stuff, but B, what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. And that's where it starts to get uh, much more interesting. He's doing everything. Um, He finally coerces Kaufman to give him a couple of bucks. And in 2000, he writes and produced and performed in the superhero comedy called The Specials. Meet The Specials. Special. It's like being the last sailor in line behind the whore. The seventh best superhero team in the world. As a special, you'll experience all sorts of exotic wonders. We're for the oddball, the rebel, the outcast, the, the geek. geek. You're a deadly girl. You're flower head. They've made mistakes. Don't pull yet. I'm not gonna pull. Is that a maxi pad on his face? They've been misunderstood. Are you Minute Man? Minute Man. Do I look like a soldier from the Revolutionary War? No. I turn small. Think. Superpowers come super responsibility, damn it. Hmm, that's clever. Love your outfit. And just when a toy company was about to make them famous, superheroes don't get Oscars, we get action figures. They were screwed. Here comes Mrs. Indestructible. They're the specials. He's a special just for me. I'm black. I, I think you have vaguely African features. <laughs> As of today, we are no longer. Tell us what's wrong. What's wrong? Beyond the fact that you're screwing my wife. Now. The stroke broke us apart. Ted, you need therapy. These underdogs must face their fears. You're the one that needs therapy. Fall in love. You want to go back to my place? I'm gay. Mother. (laughs) And find the courage to be heroes in their own special way. Region Entertainment presents a completely original comedy. I extracted this from an 83-year-old Caucasian man. Here we go again. It's a pretty good one. Rob Lowe, Jamie Kennedy, Thomas Hayden Church, and Melissa Joan Hart. There are no useless specials. <laughs> Except Mr. Smart, he, he's a washer. The specials. Those pants make you look like you don't have any cops. I know that. Uh, it was directed by Craig Mason, featured Rob Lowe, Thomas Hayden Church, Judy Greer, and Jamie Kennedy. Uh, it's a movie that I've seen. It's a pretty cool movie. It might be a little dated by today's standards. It might be some things in there you don't like. It's very hard to explain to people, if you were growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, just how fucked culture was. Eminem was the biggest star in the world. And like the second biggest star in the world was Sex Kitten Britney Spears. Um, The highest rated television show was Monday Night Raw. It was a very kind of just do whatever the fuck you want time. And you know what? We kind of could use a little bit of that right now because I feel everything's become a little too buttoned up. You know, I always go back to Demolition Man. When Sylvester Stallone, his character, explains to people, he's like, look, you guys got to get a little dirty. You guys got to clean up a little bit. And we need to meet in the middle. 
because everything has become so fucking politically correct and so sterile that we're trying to outwake each other or outwoke each other. I don't even know how to say that. We're trying to outwoke. Everybody's trying to outwoke each other. They're always trying to like, oh, you know, like, but, but you know what? We have to be conscious of the ants that are there. We can't step on the ants, but it's important that they're at the picnic because representation is important. Um, one of the biggest movie series at the time was the Austin Powers movies. And Jesus, those have not aged well either. So you're kind of, you know, it's the all or nothing days. It's the salad days. It's the late 90s, early 2000s. And the media landscape is different. Um, Gunn's first major Hollywood screenplay uh, that got poke... <laughs> I was just going to say poke ball. His first major screenplay that gets picked up is Scooby-Doo in 2002. Now, I've read uh, his original version of Scooby-Doo, and it is a much different film. Uh, if you read the screenplay for this film, and I think Warner Brothers appropriately kind of reined it in, but there were very much like, you know, jokes between Velma and Daphne having sex, and there was a lot of marijuana use. And I kind of feel like there's a part of me that says, like, they should have just made that movie. Like, just get it out of your system. Because there is an alarming amount of Scooby-Doo porn parodies. None involving a dog. And if there, I don't want to see that. That's terrible. It's disgusting. But there's, look, go on your, ooh, go on your, I just, <laughs> my erection knocked into the microphone. No, go on your Google machine and look and you will find an alarming amount of Scooby-Doo porn parodies. There's, it's not just like, oh, there's one or two. There's a lot. Okay. I, I'm fucking I'm terrified for, for it, you know? There's certain things I understand, like married with children. Eh, I get it. Yeah, there's definitely. Okay, that makes sense. But Scooby-Doo, eh, kind of feeling comfortable with that. So we're just going to move right along. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that anymore. So he does this screenplay, and uh, Warner Brothers loves it. And Scooby-Doo, the live-action version, ends up becoming like a huge movie. Um, and it's widely beloved by kids and stoners at the time. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater. I was appropriately very stoned. Thought it was a great movie. Uh, it was a good movie. It was everything. Because we were all just happy to see our heroes on the screen. You had a really good cast. It, it all just really worked. Uh, but again, it was 2002. And looking back at all these things in the early aughts, which is very cringy. Now, in 2004, back-to-back, -back, he writes the screenplay for Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, and uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Still think it's one of Zack Snyder's best pictures. He, he never did a, you know, like, I don't know, there's people out there who can say what they want, but I really enjoy Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I think the script is really smart. I like all the actors. I like a lot of the choices that he made. And uh, for my money, it's one of the best remake reimaginings out there. I also think it's one of Zack Snyder's better films. If I had to pick two films from Mr. Snyder's Ovoir, I would say Dawn of the Dead and Watchmen. Probably my two favorite films that he made. What's significant about this for James Gunn, though, is that Scooby-Doo 2 and Dawn of the Dead come out and like a week apart from each other. And they both become number one movies. 
So instantly he becomes the hot boy. And when you become the hot boy or the hot girl in Hollywood, your phone doesn't stop ringing and everybody wants to work with you and you're the hottest thing since sliced bread. And it's, you know, people will bend over backwards because you are a commodity and you've made two different studios, Universal and respectively Warner Brothers, a lot of money. So you're making product for people that is financially viable and it's commercially successful and it's attracting a young audience. And they're always looking for a young audience with expendable income to see their films. Uh, That was the way things were. So things are going pretty good for him. Uh, He ends up doing this uh, mockumentary called Lolly Love, which was uh, directed by and starring his then wife, Jenna Fisher. That's right. Yeah, he was married to Jenna Fisher. Not bad, huh? So uh, his film directorial debut was the 2006 horror comedy Slither. And uh, if, in case you didn't know, uh, Slither is included on the top 50 list of Rotten Tomatoes' best ever reviewed horror movies. It is a highly revered film. When you marry someone, you promise to love them forever. No matter how much, they might change. Baby, what happened to your face? It's just a bee sting. From Universal Pictures. Great, is sick or something? Comes a film so shocking. Uh, we got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. Marriage is a sacred bond. For better or worse. Much worse. Chick is hardcore. like Slither. I saw Slither in theaters, and I'll be honest with you, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it's a fun movie, it's a disgusting movie, uh, has a, a little bit of homage to Night of the Creeps, and I'll be honest with you, I think that Slither was a little bit ahead of its time. I feel that it's one of those movies, if it had come out four years later, it would have been a much bigger hit. But people always especially in the horror community, because we need to talk about this. People are always bitching. They're like, nah, nah, practical effects. <laughs> you like practical effects? Go fucking see Psycho Goreman. Movie's fantastic. One of the best movies I've seen in the last year. It's all practical stuff. It's beautiful. But you don't. You say you love practical effects. You say you love all this gooey, gory shit. And then when it comes out, you don't see it because you're a bunch of bitch asses. And that's the truth. Everybody says, oh, I love this. I love matte paintings. I love visual effects that are done in camera. Well, if you love this stuff, support it, okay? Oh, well, it didn't look that good. No, go see it. Go see it. I don't want to fucking hear it. You got to go see Slither, but you didn't. You didn't go see Slither. Nobody saw it except me, and I'm the coolest guy ever. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. In 2008, James Gunn was picked as a judge on the VH1 reality show. Remember VH1? Remember those great shows? He was picked for a reality television show called Scream Queens, 
where 10 unknown actresses competed for a role in Saw 6. Ooh, the prestige and excitement. Hey, look, there was a time when those Saw movies were gigantic. You got to do whatever you can, right? You got to do whatever you can to make a buck. Now, this one, this is an upsetting story. I like to tell this story because not a lot of people know about this one. But Gunn basically uh, goes through this whole dance with uh, Universal Pictures. He's supposed to write and direct a movie called Pets. And this is a high-concept movie. This is the kind of stuff we love at the offering. It's a comedy about a man who is abducted by aliens who want to turn him into a household pet. And it was to star Ben Stiller. And I'll be honest with you, that sounds like kind of an interesting movie. Um, so he goes through this. This goes into early development in like 2008. And then all of 2009, he's just developing this movie. And then by the time we reach March, April of 2009, um, Gunn basically announced, he's like, Pets, unfortunately, is done. I'm gone. I left the project for various reasons. I hope it sees the light of day somehow but it won't be attached as a director. Now, the inside story of this movie is that Gunn wanted to do very much an R-rated film. And that was at that point in time, that was not really a part of um, what they were looking for. They were looking for a PG comedy uh, with Ben Stiller that was going to appeal to the widest possible audience. And no matter how much he tried to change it, or develop it. It just was not going to be what his original vision was. And, you know, what happens is, is you have a, a script that's in development or a project and you hopefully have a star attached because that's bankable and that's going to help you get that project made. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, once you lose that star, so Ben Stiller decides, oh, I'm going to go do this other movie, then you're dead in the water. Because that was your leverage to get the picture made, was that a big star wants to be a part of it. And unfortunately, once Ben Stiller exited, it was a wrap. It just was not going to happen. However, James Gunn decides, I'm going to go. I'm going to make my own movie. I'm going to do it independently. In 2010, he makes a superhero film unlike any that we've ever seen. I actually saw this in theaters. God, I have spent a lot of my life in movie theaters. I'm a loser. I feel like when I die and I'm watching my my life flash before me, it's just going to be me shoving popcorn in my mouth in a dark theater because that that's, you know, it's like, you know, people think like, you know, before you get to the pearly gates or whatever you're envisioning of afterlife is, is that you're sitting in a, in, a, in a theater like life is beautiful and you're watching your whole life on the silver screen. No, I'm just going to be watching. I'm going to be watching my life on the silver screen, watching myself eat popcorn, being fat in a theater and farting up their seats. Nothing like that. That's a <laughs> collectively a million podcasts have said, nope, that's it. Going back to Mark Marin. Want to hear his funny stories? Batman, Batarang, pipe bombs, utility belt, utility uh, belt. green arrow has a bow and arrow. Okay. Why do you need all those? I'm making up my own superhero. He needs a weapon. That'll do. Cool. All it takes to be a superhero is the choice to fight evil. Shut up, crime. Don't steal! Don't deal drugs! Don't molest kids! 
Brutal assault by the Crimson Bolt continued last night. Are you him? No. That's cool. I could be your kid's sidekick. Ta-da! How do I look? That's inappropriate. Frank is the only thing that will save me. We will take those suckers down. That's good. Let's do this. You just sit here and wait for crime to happen? That's right. <sighs> this is so boring. Yes, I could tell you now it's not about good and evil. This is about she love me more because I am interesting. Shut up, crime! Face the wrath of the Crimson Bolt! Uh, so this film, super. It's a dark comedy. Um, in some ways, it goes a little too far. It's not for everyone. It has Rain Wilson, Elliot Page. Um, and it's a different type of movie. Um, Kevin Bacon is in it. He's great. Everybody loves Kevin Bacon. Um, always plays a good bad guy. But Super is very interesting because we're not quite into, you know, Iron Man had just come out in 2008. So we're not like overloaded with superheroes yet at that time. Because there was that point in time after Iron Man hit, every every studio is like, hey, what do we got? We've got a plastic man. Put it in development. Fuck it. Who cares? Let's make a couple of bucks. And that was, uh, that was detrimental. We'll be right back with more of The Offering with Jerry Horror. You're listening to The Offering with Jerry Horror. Got a question or a story you want to share with me? It might be featured in a future episode. Email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at jerryhara. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there at jerryhara. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review in an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Offering. Now back to the show. Really, what it comes down to is the big success for James Gunn is in 2014, he gets approved to do Guardians of the Galaxy. It's one of these things where I can't imagine the media landscape without Guardians of the Galaxy. Popular fare in any medium, uh, it's always been snubbed by the self-appointed elite. You know, they think, oh, well, this is what a superhero film has to be. But Guardians of the Galaxy was the first Marvel film to go intergalactic and take us into the stars. And I have to say, man, Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favorite out of all the Marvel films. Um, it, it makes decisions. It has a talking raccoon. No, but it makes decisions. And it opens up with a young Peter Quill and his mother dying of cancer. And I got news for you. You ain't never going to see another Marvel movie do that. I promise you that. That was a bold decision. Uh, the film has wall-to-wall music. It's a, a pop, it's just a, a pop music um, jukebox, as we say. Fantastic music takes uh, former WWE wrestler Dave Batista, makes him a star. Takes this kid from the office, makes him a star. Takes a young raccoon. <laughs> Keep going back to Rocket. Chris Pratt was in uh, Parks and Rec. He. Uh, 
basically became a big star. He got a six pack and some cum gutters because you got to have that. You got to, you got to get insanely ripped, you know, even little old Paul Rudd, you know, you got to take off your shirt. I was watching the new Loki series and like, they still found a way to get Tom Hiddleston's shirt off and he was in fantastic shape. I don't know what they feed these people. I, I don't know how, you know, if they tell them like, oh, don't worry, we'll get the shirt off scene done first. That way you can like ditch the diet. Like, <laughs> we arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, AKA the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in his search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Root. He's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star-Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. Hey, 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 that's mine. You son of a Hey, take those headphones off right now. the guardians of the galaxy and a bunch of a-holes guardians of the galaxy works because all of these characters come together and become a family um and it really is a funny movie it's an action-packed movie it's an adventure movie and it's all done through the singular vision of James Gunn. It really gives all of us a sense of just what this man is capable of. Um, I really think that most of the Marvel Universe, like when we get to Endgame and Infinity War, people don't realize like, oh yeah, the Russo brothers. A lot of that came from James Gunn. Um, you can feel the influence you know that when he had to, you know, deal with the Guardians, that he was really instrumental in making that all work. So I think as we look to the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it gets even more trippy, like the aforementioned Loki show on Disney+, Plus, which is just way out there, you can definitely feel that, obviously, this 1970s sci-fi influence, but a lot of that wouldn't be possible. You wouldn't have been able to do Captain Marvel. You just couldn't do a lot of this intergalactic way out stuff because we can accept Tony Stark. We understand a very Dark Knight type of character, you know, a rich billionaire. Uh, it's grounded in what we know. But once you get into that weird sci-fi stuff, it's difficult, you know, especially for a general audience that's not used to like way out sci-fi. You know, for years, there was the fight to get The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy made. And I liked it. I thought it was a great movie, but it flopped. Because let's be honest, uh, a lot of it is just over the head of the general audience. Uh, Gunn was able to write and produce the horror film 
the Belko experiment, which was in 2017. Uh, I recommend that film. I, I really dig it. I think that it's uh, an underrated flick talks about, and again, it's a horror movie, but it's also social commentary. So you can see the influence, especially within his writing of George Romero's work. It's very apparent there. That same year, he wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I loved. You know, there's some people out there, whatever, they can cry. I don't like it as much. But I thought it was great. Kurt Russell as Ego, the Living Planet. Um, it was able to say a lot of things about fathers and sons that were not able to maybe communicate in other forms of media. It's a very important film because, again, it's even more way out and kind of dictates where the future of the MCU is going, but also speaks larger to global cinema saying like, we can do these crazy science fiction epics and we can infuse them with heart and with humor. And again, it's a huge box office hit. Now, in 2018, we, we got to talk about this. Uh, because it's important that we talk about these things. We can't just pick and choose the things that we like. Uh, in July 2018, a reaction to Gunn's public criticisms of Donald Trump, commentator uh, Mike Cervenovich drew attention to controversial tweets that Gunn wrote between 2008 and 2012. And amid criticism of the tweets... Disney severed ties with Gunn as the director of the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He was dismissed from a role to help Marvel's planned cosmic universe. And ultimately, uh, Walt Disney's decision received criticism from many entertainers, many journalists. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was bullshit. Um, have we all said things that we're not proud of? Yeah, of course. But... That doesn't mean you should be fired from your job. Should you be reprimanded? Yeah. But ultimately, it's a part of the learning process of being a human being. We all make mistakes. However, this is big business. And this is the entertainment industry. And Warner Brothers sees, oh, so your dance cart's not full. Well, you just made these two fantastic films and you're helping shape the future of Marvel's cosmic universe. Why don't you come over here? Why don't you work on a project for us? So he chose to do Suicide Squad. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. Number two. Good to know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. A newly reinvented uh, version two of what we had seen before. We've got King Shark. We've got some very interesting new characters like uh, John Cena's Peacemaker. And uh, it's crazy because right after he was done doing Suicide Squad, uh, they just wrapped production on Peacemaker, which is the John Cena character. And that has turned into a 12 episode show for HBO Max. So <laughs> I got to say, Warner Brothers was pretty smart. Um, ultimately, Disney decides we've made a mistake. Okay, we're, we're sorry. And 
they welcome James Gunn back. And now, as of, you know, the time that I'm talking about this, uh, he's working on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He's has some involvement with Thor Love and Thunder, the new uh, Taika Waititi film. Uh, and again, I think that even stuff like Thor Ragnarok, you couldn't have done it. You couldn't have done it if uh, we hadn't been brought into this new cosmic world that James Gunn has charted. I think that if you're going to do stuff like Silver Surfer, you just can't do it unless he had done what he did to bring us into, into the stars. So it's a very interesting place. Uh, most excited of all his projects that I am, and that didn't make any sense. It was like, <laughs> I'm starting to talk like Groot. Like, you know, just my words uh, don't make any sense. But I'm excited for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I know, it is what it is, but there's something that sounds like a lot of fun where he's going to be able to poke fun at the conventions of a holiday special, maybe even, I don't know, when Star Wars, the Star Wars holiday special, when talk about Life Day and Carrie Fisher's just blown out on Coke, the whole thing. And <laughs> that is a fantastic piece of media. Uh, in March of 2019, Gunn was completely reinstated. Uh, as the director of Guardians 3, and uh, he's working right now on a new and exciting ride that's going to be at Epcot. It's uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy hybrid of roller coaster. It's going to have animatronics, holograms, and all kinds of new technology we've never seen on rides before. Should be quite interesting. Um, the Suicide Squad has been completed. And we are awaiting its arrival eminently as we speak. It will be coming out in theaters August 4th, 2021. It looks fantastic. Looks like a lot of fun. Taking a lot of chances. Injecting a lot of energy. Got all kinds of people. That wacky Pete Davidson. And Idris Elba. And Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Who looks to steal the entire picture. This is a good time. You know, this is something interesting. And it's cool because the movie comes out on August 4th. And on August 5th, it's his birthday. I can't think of anyone who has had such a, a great influence uh, as James Gunn has on the media landscape. And now it's really cool to see him working on these different things and he's informing and influencing the other projects. Like he's a big part of Thor Love and Thunder. And I think that's important for him to be the guiding voice and shepherding it with Taika Waititi and going into this new cosmic error. James Gunn is a very interesting and polarizing figure. Whether you like him, whether you hate him, uh, he has something to say. And it's incredible that this guy who came from humble beginnings, he basically gets thrown out of school. He can't cut it. And then finds that his real place is working for Trauma Productions over in New York. Uh, you can see how this guy goes from making these weird movies, even like Slither, even though like that was his first foray into like a, a major studio film. It, you just if I told you that when you saw Slither and, and that's like, I don't know, it's like 14, 15 years back. I'd be like, hey, this guy's going to shape all these crazy Marvel movies and there's going to be a talking raccoon and a tree and it's going to steal your heart. You wouldn't. I, you'd be like, Jerry, you really need to stop using LSD and talking to me at movie theaters. 
And using time travel, because you always screw it up somehow. I think James Gunn is a one-of-a-kind talent. I think that his influence is going to be felt many years from now. And I'm excited to see the Suicide Squad. I'm excited to see where he takes it, you know? And maybe, if I'm lucky, it's an R-rated film. I get to see Margot Robbie. I won't be as flaccid as I started this show. See? I took it full circle, kids. That's right. I was able to put in some kind of weird, dirty joke at the end. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been The Offering. As I always say, don't bother going to sleep unless you've got something worth dreaming about. You've been listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. I'm very sorry. Produced by Pete Bune. If you have a question or a story you want to share with me, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter at jerryhara or on Instagram at jerryhara. You get in the picture? Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are provided for you and your family. I want you to enjoy. Just join us next time for another offering. I'm Tom. My partner Mike and I have been friends and co-workers for a long time. And at work, we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about TV shows and movies we are currently watching. Whether we're arguing over which Marvel TV show is the best or agreeing about which Netflix original movie is the worst, the pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today. This has been a Sick Boy Wolfgang production. Thank you for listening. <laughs>